0: My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here. It is so great to be with you guys. Um, I'm going to start us off with our scripture from 2 Corinthians. We've been in this passage for for about a month now, and we're going to wrap it up today. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9. There we go. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, some of you don't know me very well, and so one thing that you may not know about me is that I'm, I'm somewhat of a, a student of language. I'm a linguistic expert. <laughs> okay, that's not even... That is a word. Um, yeah, so in my lifetime, I've had occasion... Uh, a couple years in high school, I studied Spanish, yeah? And then uh, later in life, I had an occasion to, to learn some Russian, even some Ukrainian. Um, and most recently, I've learned a little bit of Haitian Creole. And uh, I don't expect you to be impressed at all because you wouldn't know that I'm a student of language because none of it sticks. (laughs) Not not even English, really. I haven't really held on to that all that well. Too good. (laughs) I I have, though, I've always wished that I had this ability to be bilingual. I thought it would be an an amazing thing to be able to just kind of walk into some situation to be able to understand where nobody else could, you know, and it would open doors and opportunities for me. It's always been a dream of mine. And then, about 20 years ago almost, I moved to the southern United States. In the southern United States, they speak a different language. I didn't know <laughs> until we got here. We moved, when we first moved here, we, got, we came straight to Nashville, and I think it was probably the day we moved in. I went to Kroger to get some sustenance, you know, you got to survive, and so I went to Kroger, and I checked out with the food, and, and the woman said to me, bless your heart, and I was like, I think that means I'm in, like I've been accepted already on day one. <laughs> I've learned uh, since then that bless your heart means that the person who's saying it to you, uh, it's like a, a saying of deep respect and love, or it could mean the exact opposite, like one of those, <laughs> one of those is true. I've heard a few interesting sayings that I still am trying to figure out what they mean, like this one. That's finer than a frog hair split four ways. Wait, like, nobody understand. I, I don't understand it either. You're confused, I'm confused together. I think it has something to do, I'm just. gonna, I'm gonna do some deep dive study on this someday. But uh, if a frog has hair, it's, it's, its hair is really fine. And so if you split it four ways, it's like extra fine. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Um, th- so a few years into living here in the South, somebody said this to me, and it really caught me off guard. They said, Mark, could you go over there and get me that hose pot? And, like, some of you have the look on your face that I had on my face. Some of you are like, what's the problem? I totally understand what you said. <laughs> I said, I, don't, I think something might have happened in your throat when you were saying that to me, or like my ears weren't, something's, something's wrong. Could you ask me that question again? And so they said, Mark, could you go over there? And grab the hose pot. So I still didn't get it. And so I had kind of looked around like sometimes you got to use your context to get clues as to what's happening. And so I was, I was outside in front of a building and over on the side of the building where it was a, was a faucet. And underneath that faucet was wrapped up this nice green garden hose, <laughs> um, also known as a hose where I come from, um, apparently also called a hose pot. <laughs> Learn something new. I spent a lot of my, the first few years here in Tennessee, and it still happens from time to time, you know, I'll have that look on my face when somebody says something to me that I don't quite get, and they'll say, you're not from here, are you? Which is true. But 20 years, I mean, I'm like hoping one day I'll really, truly be in. There is such a thing as a southern dialect. It's really actually a thing. And a quick definition here, a dialect is a regional variety of language, why am I telling you this? The reason I'm telling you this is because I think that Christians, followers of Jesus, have a particular variety of language. It's true. We have particular ways that we talk that sometimes sound odd to the rest of the world. There's there's no no denying it really. And sometimes that's a good thing that we have kind of our own dialect and sometimes it's kind of maybe a not so good thing. And and so the definition of this a regional variety of language our region as followers of Jesus is not the north or the south or the east, or the west. Now, Jesus calls it the, the kingdom of God. He says, we're actually in a whole other existence, like a whole other realm while you're in the north, or the south, or the east, or the west. We're living in a bit different place. And, and, and then in that same letter that I just shared, shared with you, these words from Paul said that we are ambassadors of Christ. And an ambassador is somebody who moves in, right? They move into the land. You live in the land. You speak the language, but you kind of maybe have a slightly different dialect about how you speak the language. So I'm not talking about insider language in the church, like incarnation and transubstantiation and sanctification. In other words, the end and shun. Uh, there's a whole long list of, of words. We have a dialect in, in, in the church. But what I'm actually talking about is probably something that sounds the most strange to somebody um, in, who, who is in the world hearing us talk and the way that we talk. Eugene Peterson put it like this. He was translating a verse from Ephesians chapter 5, and he said, Thanksgiving is our dialect. As followers of Jesus, we have a peculiar way of talking, and he said our dialect is Thanksgiving. It's the way we talk. It's our unique variety of language. Now, this can kind of be difficult because sometimes um, it's actually easier to go negative, you know, like when you're in, in the context of a conversation and uh, you realize we could actually get more energy, more traction here if I went negative. But Thanksgiving is our dialect as followers of Jesus. It's so much so in the world that where we kind of feel like we're at odds and out of place when we're, when we're speaking the language of Thanksgiving that we would want to change it. We would want to kind of revert to something else, but we can't do that. Here's what, this is what Paul is saying here. Let's Let's check Let's check and see how how this works. I'm going to uh, go back to the passage I shared with you at the start. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. See, it turns out that the God who gives us good things, gives you good things in your life, gives, that gives the, the seed to you that you need and that enlarges the harvest out of that seed, does so that, so that you can be generous, and he does it in a way that leads to thanksgiving. So I just kind of want to follow the flow here. This is kind of how, how my mind works. I like to see kind of like A, B, C, D, how, how this works. And Paul actually lays it out here, and this is in your notes, at First, God provides you with seed. So that's the very first thing. And God, in fact, everything in your life begins with God, with God's provision. God provides for you. So your, your marriage starts with God's provision. Your relationships start with God's provision. Your job starts with, your life starts with God's provision so that you can sow generously. And then out of that generous sowing that we do with the seed that God provides for us, then God provides an abundant harvest out of that. And he provides that abundant harvest. Why? So that we can be generous with it. And then finally, that generosity leads to thanksgiving. So I'm going to boil it down even more. The core of this equation is God provides, we are generous. God provides, we are generous. God provides, we are generous. And the outcome of that is thanksgiving, is gratitude. It's as if God is inviting us to join him in setting the table for Thanksgiving. Here's what I mean. Uh, Jacob mentioned a lot of this already. This weekend, hundreds of boxes are being packed. Many of you are involved in that. of Thanksgiving meals that are going out to over 300 families, which means it's over, over 1,000 people, <laughs> doing some easy math on that, are being impacted by the fact that boxes of Thanksgiving meals are being packed today on our front lawn. You've seen that. You saw that when you came in. Many of you are part of that. At the same time, today, a ton of food is being brought in for the Mount Juliet Help Center. This happens every single month. And when I say a ton, I don't just mean a lot. I mean literally a ton. In fact, right now, we are closing in on two tons, which is more than our average for a month. And when it's happening on a day when all these boxes of food are going out for Thanksgiving meals, it's incredible you've seen that. What you might not have seen happening today is that over in Providence, kids right now, they are packing backpacks of food so that their classmates who are home all week this week for Thanksgiving meal um, and, are de- and usually depend on lunch at school for a part of their sustenance, more food is going home with them. And Providence kids are packing it. You know how they're able to be so generous? Because of your generosity <laughs> allows them to be generous And then God promises that that will lead to gratitude for both the one receiving the gift and the one giving the gift. And both might be present in Providence Kids right now, packing backpacks. Paul sees this this purpose of the church and he says, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. It's as if God is inviting us to join Him in setting the table for Thanksgiving. I know I already said that, but isn't that amazing? God, (laughs) the God of the universe, is inviting us to join Him in setting the table for Thanksgiving. And it's like If you can kind of picture this with me, it's like this cycle of God providing seed, us sowing generously, God providing an abundant harvest, us providing generously out of that, uh, leading to Thanksgiving, God providing more seed, us sowing generously. It's like this cycle that just gains energy as it goes over and over again, and it's like we can see the kingdom of God coming (laughs) while we watch this activity that's taking place right here, right here in our midst. It's like the kingdom of God is coming. Gratitude is the fruit, and a thankful heart is the outcome that God desires. So quick question, what is leading to your thanksgiving right now? Here's what, it, like, so the, the goal, maybe even of this week, you know, a lot of people will sit around a table and say, what are you thankful for? And so some people, some of you are already thinking, what am I going to say in that moment? And here's what it looks like to come to God with grateful hearts. This, uh, this story comes from Luke chapter 17. It sounds like a parable of Jesus. You know, he's told stories all the time, which pointed to a deeper truth that's kind of more than what's, beyond, what's on the surface. Um, in fact, all of Jesus' life was just kind of like a parable. You look at him, you watch him, you listen to him, and it's pointing to a deeper truth, the reality of God and God's love for us. Well, this story actually happened. It sounds like a parable, but it actually happened to him. It starts off in verse 11 of, of Luke 17. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and and Galilee. So Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. This might sound like you're starting a story. I was on my way to the store. <laughs> I was on my way to go pick up my kids from school. It sounds like maybe just one of those, one of those uh, side trips. But this was a trip to Jerusalem. This was the trip to Jerusalem when Jesus was turned over to the authorities, was crucified on a cross, buried in a tomb, and three days later rose from the dead so that we could have life. That's what Jesus was on his way to that day. Now he was traveling along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And if you know this this region, um, you could also think of it as he was walking on the border between faithfulness and faithlessness. The Samaritans were thought of to be the ones who were always worshiping other gods, um, who were unfaithful. And the Galileans were looked at as ones who were at least on the surface trying to look like like they were faithful. And here Jesus is straddling the border. I like to imagine he had one foot in in either country. And the thing that Jesus does is he doesn't just kind of like tightrope the line in these things. He reaches into both sides and he pulls and he crosses those borders, if you can imagine it, and he crosses them. So where he is is the kingdom of God. Like he's walking in a different existence. He's walking in a different place while he's walking along the border between these two regions. And Jesus creates this whole new reality as he does that. And it's the kind of thing that Jesus did his whole life and still does today. He does it with the clean and the unclean. He does it with the rich and the poor. He does it with life and death. Like Jesus reaches into our death and our sin and our brokenness and pulls us into life, like into a whole new reality that didn't even look like it was possible on the surface. And Jesus does this for us as he pulls us into life. The story goes on, as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So the first question we might ask is, why were these guys standing at a distance? In just a moment, we're going to want to judge 90% of these, of these guys. And so before we do that, we probably want to know a little bit about their condition and what, why, what we're judging about them. In leprosy, they had a skin disease, with, had open wounds that were just constantly on the outside of their body. People could see that. People didn't want to come near that. In fact, if you touched a person who had leprosy, you were shunned from society, as were they. So these guys were completely left out of society. They had to travel around. Some, some have said they had to wear a bell around their waist, or they had to shout out, unclean, unclean, as somebody approached them. They, as you can imagine, would have no positive outlook on life. Their only hope for community was to be around other people who were suffering the same things that they were suffering. And you can imagine that over time, you would see yourself as less than human, right? Undeserving of love, like an ultimate outsider. And it says, when Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. When Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest, he's saying, go to the one person in all of society that can declare that you're now clean. Like you were on a road to your life meaning nothing. But go to a priest, he will declare you clean. It says, though, that it was while they were traveling that they were cleansed. Something in the power of Jesus and Jesus' words to them actually brought about their cleansing. I don't even know exactly when the moment was that they knew that they were cleansed. I wish that we could know uh, what happened to, the, to all ten of these guys. You know, they, they might have gone in different directions. Um, it's thought that the Samaritan guy probably went to a, a different priest in his, his own country. We don't know, like, the journey of these guys. We only know the rest of the story for one of them. And he's the one who came back to Jesus. It says, One of them, when he heard, saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And, by the way, he was a Samaritan. He was the outsider. He was the one from the other side of the border. He saw that he was healed and he came back to Jesus. He came back out of gratitude. I'm guessing for him in this moment that gratitude and thanksgiving, like, thank you and, um, and, and uh, I'm, I'm so grateful, weren't strong enough language for him. You know, because understand, again, that his life was completely over. He had no existence in the rest of the world, right? He was nothing. No People didn't even look at him as a human. And now he had life, he had the possibility for life. He had, a, he had a future that he wouldn't dared have allowed himself to, to imagine. And He comes back out of gratitude, and he falls at the feet of Jesus because the words aren't enough, you know? He falls at the feet of Jesus, and really his prayer kind of boils down to, this is the best I have, Jesus. Thank you. Sometimes that's the very best prayer that we can offer up. Thank you, God. Thank you for working. So while he's at the feet of Jesus, Jesus asked him, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Again, we remember that he's an outsider. Here's where we want to judge those nine former lepers, right? They're off. We don't know what they're doing. Something in them, though, it sounds like they have not let go of the label of leper. They have not let go of the label of unclean. They were still unable to imagine the new life that this one was able to imagine. You might also be wondering, why was Jesus so concerned about their gratitude? I think he actually wasn't all that concerned with their gratitude. He didn't need to receive it. In fact, God doesn't actually need our worship. You know who does? You know who needs, to be thank- who needs to do the thanking? It's us. We're the ones who need the gratitude. We're the ones, the ones of us who are being healed. The ones who are of us who are on a road to, to healing or have been healed by Jesus. We're the ones that need the gratitude. Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. This one, the one who risked coming back, saw a glimpse of what his healing meant. And in this display of gratitude and thanksgiving, he received two things that the other nine didn't receive. The first one's kind of obvious. He, he received, by coming back and, and thanking Jesus, he received more time with Jesus. It's kind of why we keep coming back and worshiping, right? We receive more time in the presence of God and his church and his community. The other thing that he, he received is, is related to it. Jesus said to him, your faith. Has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Now the word well in our context is kind of like, how are you doing? I'm well. Like it's okay, right? That's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, Your faith has made you saved. Your your faith is a completion of your of your salvation and healing. Your faith coming back is connected to that. In giving thanks, we experience the fullness of our salvation. All right, so we're, we're heading back into this, uh, this Thanksgiving week, this, this holiday week. And so I want, I want to kind of, in your mind, go back to the Thanksgiving Day table, <laughs> whatever that looks like for you. If it's on Thursday or Wednesday or Friday or um, with family or friends, or if it's you just watching a, a particular favorite show with a turkey sandwich, just kind of imagine what that, that scene is. You know, Paul uses this image over and over again of, of planting. So if you could imagine the scene of your Thanksgiving gathering as a seed bed what would that look like? As you gather together, it's this place where seed can be generously scattered. And if you can have that image in your head, ask yourself this, what are you sowing? What are you sowing in that place? Obviously, if you sow discord and division, then what results is going to look a lot like the world. But if you sow love and gratitude, then life will begin to burst out of the soil in amazing ways. You won't Help, but, but be able to praise God. So what I want to invite you to do is plan your seed sowing. My, my dad was a gardener, so he used to always chart out the garden, you know, where, what seed was going to go where. Plan your seed sowing for this week. Thank God for the healing that has, that has happened in your life or is on its way. Thank God for the breath that you've received every, every day that you woke up this year. Thank God for being with you in those difficult moments of your life. Thank God for all of it. Gratitude is not just being thankful for the thing that you just received. It's a heart condition. We actually have kind of been talking about this in our family, in our household as well. What does this look like? And One thing we had to remember is that we're responsible for scattering the seed that God gives to us. We're not responsible for providing the harvest. God is going to provide the harvest if we're faithful with what he has given us. Now, for some people, I know Thanksgiving is kind of like a homecoming. You know, the airports are going to be full. The highways are going to be full over, over this next week. And, and maybe it's true for you that it's kind of a, kind of a homecoming. I want to ask all, all of us, maybe, maybe it's a homecoming of your heart to God this year. Maybe you need a return to gratitude. And maybe this is your invitation to return to God with gratitude for what he has done in your life. It's kind of a crazy thing. It seems like every time we have a sermon, a message up, up here, um, it kind of takes us to the same place. Every single time we come back to this table of communion, we call it the Lord's Supper, communion, bread and juice. We'll, we'll talk about that in just a moment. It seems like every time it comes to that, and it's not just because we chart out a path to that, it's because I think that the that that the the bread and juice of communion actually kind of reach into the the Word of God. And in the same way that Jesus draws us into life, it draws us into the kingdom. And so it's it's this this great work that that Christ is doing in our midst. For centuries, the church has referred to communion with this this, uh, Greek word, the Eucharist. In fact, it's still used in, in many places today to talk about the Lord's Supper, to talk about communion, they use the word Eucharist. It's actually, it's part of our dialect as followers of Jesus. And if it's unfamiliar language, it's, it's unfamiliar because you're not in ancient Greek. <laughs> it's really kind of the only place that we use this word. But the word is translated as, you might have guessed this, it's translated as thanksgiving. Paul used the word in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He used it several different times. This, this word comes up that translates as thanksgiving and, and what it's talking about, it's using to describe what happens when we sow the seeds of faith generously, and when we are generous with the harvest that God provides, it leads to thanksgiving. Right. So I, I don't know what God has is, is been doing in your life lately, like what kind of healing he's been doing. I don't, I, I don't know if there's been an episode of sickness or something in your heart that nobody even knows about, but that God has a promise of healing to provide for you. I don't know what he's been doing in that regard, but I want to... Offer up this communion, this Eucharist, this Thanksgiving as an opportunity for you to return to him with gratitude on your hearts. Even before you go to the Thanksgiving table, come to this table with gratitude on your hearts. Let's pray. God, you are the giver of every good gift. You have supplied with us more than we need, even when we don't notice it and we don't feel it. And this meal, this bread, this juice, it represents all that we need. It represents our life. It represents how you poured your life out for us. We receive it. And as we receive it, God, we, we have something to offer to the world. We have life to offer to the world. We have a different way of talking. We have a different way of living And it's not to to beat the world over the head, but it's to offer them life that you have offered to us. So we, we humbly come and receive bread and juice today. God, gather us around this table. May it be the seedbed where you have poured out life for us. May we gather around and feast on bread and juice. As we do so, we recall Jesus gathering around a table with his friends near the end of his earthly life taking bread and breaking it and giving thanks to you, giving it to his friends and saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. As you eat of this, do so in remembrance of me. And when the meal was over, he took the cup of wine at the table and he gave thanks to you. He gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be present at this table with us. Do something in this place where we are reminded of the life that you've poured out for us as we receive it. Through your Spirit, may this bread and juice become for us the body and blood of Christ so that we could be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. In Jesus' name we pray.